Our Bible reading today is on page 191, Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 to 29. Page 191, called Tithes. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant, and you have been blessed by the Lord your God, and cannot carry your tithe, because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver. And take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands." The next reading is on page 991, Matthew 23, verses 23 to 28, page 991. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Amen. Quite a thing to say amen to, Tina, isn't it? <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, still us now, Lord, that we might know you. Uh, still us that we might uh, hear you speak and listen to you and still us that we might 
uh, seeing your glory give you all that glory. And that that might also be for our great good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, the opening of this year, we set ourselves the task of learning generosity, taking on really one of the idols of our age, our, the grip of our money and the attractions of greed. Uh, by learning generosity, and we, the only way to really learn generosity is to see clearly, more clearly the generosity of God. Uh, week one, we saw he's a creating God. Week two, that he's a providing God. And uh, this week, if you look at the uh, outline in the second page, you'll see that we're looking at uh, our just God and what his justice means for our generosity. But let me begin by um, giving you half a sentence and you can finish it for me. Right? Been a lot of back and forward today, we may as well continue it. So here's the half the sentence, you can finish it for me. Half the danger of reading the Bible is dot, dot, dot. Okay, what have you got? Half the danger of reading the Bible is dot, dot, dot. Got something for me? Proof texting. Oh, that's a learned answer. Has someone been to Bible college? Proof, you know that thing where you go, I've got an idea. There must be something in the Bible that agrees with it. And then you go, the Bible says, and really all you're doing is saying, I said, and I called on a big friend to agree with me. Yeah, that's the danger. Good one. Half the danger of reading the Bible is... I was just going to say, um, like reading it late at night and falling asleep halfway through. Is anyone with me on that? Or opening it on the bus and freaking everyone out for doing something other than opening a phone. That's kind of deeply countercultural. Uh, the phrase I really had in mind was, half the danger of reading the Bible is half reading the Bible. Today um, we look at tithing. Without a doubt, one of the most half-read topics in the Bible. Uh, the word tithing, you may or may not know, means giving a tenth, tithe tenth. Again and again the Israelites were told to bring a tenth of their harvest, their fields, their goods uh, to the temple, as you heard in Deuteronomy 14. As a result, Christians have had a tenth preached to them from pulpits high and low ever since, been lots of debate back and forward and for all that I think we've begun to barely see a tenth of what the Bible actually says about tithing. Um, to really unsettle our sense that we know this stuff, uh, I want to introduce you to an expert on the scriptures and money, a New Testament scholar called Craig Blomberg. Uh, he confirms that a tithe does indeed mean a tenth, but points out that the idea of giving a tenth of your stuff to God is a complete misreading of the Old Testament. That because the tithe was given uh, once when the Israelites would come up to festival and once again in the year when a tithe was given to the temple and the Levites for their service and another tithe was given in every third year, as you heard read, for the Levites and the poor, he says, actually, if you want to do the maths on a tithe, you're looking at something much more like, well, a bit less like this, if there's someone still at the computer, or yeah, we've all given up, don't worry about the computer. Much less like this, and much more like 23 and 
That, that's what it actually was to tithe. Um, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? My mind was blown by this. I thought, have I never read my Bible? And the answer was, yes, I've half read it. And uh, today we're going to throw out all that we half know about tithing and start over. And my point is going to go much further than just clarify tithing, and it's this. It's that if you start by talking tithing and end still talking tithing, then you're only half reading the Bible. Because tithing was never about tithing. It only ever gets you halfway down the road to the really important stuff. Tithing was always about joy and justice. Joy and justice. This has massive implications for our learning of generosity. So let's get into it and, and delve right back into the Old Testament and see what there is to see there before we come back to ourselves. Uh, the first passage is Deuteronomy 14. It was page 191, where we meet the joy of tithing. Would you look with me at verse 22, page 191, verse 22, where Moses preached to Israel what he'd heard from the Lord be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the, teeth, the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he'll choose as a dwelling for his name. So you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant and you've been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because of the place where the Lord chooses to put his name is far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose and use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. There's the tithe. You take a tenth of your stuff. You go up to Jerusalem, and then you eat it. What? That's not what I thought happened. Have I never read the Bible before? No, I just half read it. Did I read right? There's a little observed fact here that the Israelites got to eat their own tithe. And it's a great clue that we've missed something very important about the tithe. Tithing, you see, was not some kind of religious tax but was a, a regularly repeated lesson about the beauty of, our relation, of, of Israel's relationship with a very generous and giving God. You got to go up with just some of the good stuff that God had already given you. 10% wasn't perceived as a sacrifice. It was just taking a portion of all the stuff that God had poured out on you and then you went up and you ate it anyway. Your giving it to him meant you had a feast. And frankly, if that was too hard for you, being so far away and actually God's blessed you so much you've got too much to carry, well, you know, just take your credit card up, go to a great restaurant up there and enjoy the Lord. Not word for word, but you get the sense. And this is just so not what I thought. Why haven't I seen this before? Well, one half the time I only half read my Bible. Someone says something about a topic and I kind of just assume that's true until one day I finally read the stuff for myself. Just a lesson, isn't it important that we read the Bible for ourselves? Secondly, even when I do that, I find it hard to hear it because my culture prevents me reading clearly. Here's the thing about theology. 
You think you only come to know theology, that fancy Christian word, when you come to church and you start reading the Bible. But actually, before you ever arrived at church, you've been taught a theology. See, our culture has a theology. Our culture has an opinion on God, and we learn it, and we kind of believe it before we ever come and hear from God himself. And what our culture says when it, when it hears about something like a tithe is it says, oh yeah, that command to obey and give up a tenth of everything. That's what it hears sort of on the surface. That, that would be its description of it. But that, that way of saying that is reflective of a deeper view of God, of a theology. And our culture's theology is God is a taker who demands sacrifice and wants less for us and we have to earn credit points with him by doing hard stuff that we otherwise don't want to do. Am I overstating it? Or is that what people think? That's what people think. That's theology. And we learnt it before we ever opened the Bible. And it's terrible theology. It's fundamentally untrue in every element. And these few verses in Deuteronomy challenge that because they make clear that the tithe was not not really some sacrifice on my part, but a party for me. It was a feast of joyful worship in the presence of God, if I was an Israelite. And this very different surface truth is based on a deeper, actual, biblical theological conviction that God is always both for his glory and for my good. And that those two things are never opposed, but God's glory is the good of his world. Uh, so you see, just as we begin, what tithing was for Israel. It wasn't some kind of maths to learn. It wasn't the maths of the tithe that we need to learn, but the joy of the tithe, which reflects the joyful goodness and generosity of Yahweh, our God. So there's the joy of tithing. Secondly, we can go deeper still, because the tithe challenges another bit of theology we learn from our culture and not from the Bible. And that is the tithe is a way that people kind of prove their individual piety. Um, you know the kind of stereotype of someone saying, I go to church, you know, I, I care for my neighbours and I tithe my income. Uh, that's a kind of portrait of personal piety. And it's kind of, it's about me, me, me being right, right, right. But listen to what happens next in the tithe in Deuteronomy, and you'll hear it's not about me, me, me being right, right, right. Verse 27, where the break should really be in a new paragraph. And knowing that you should go up and rejoice in the fellowship of the Lord, also do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. And at the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns. This is interesting. This time it says, don't even take this up to God. Why? Because it's not for God. Keep it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns, may come and eat and be satisfied. And so the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Why? Because you've been like him. How have I been like him? You've valued the work of the Lord and the care of the poor. That's what's going on here. Who were Levites? Levites were priests. There were 12 tribes in Israel. The tribe of Levi, hence the Levites, was a priestly tribe. They got no land. Why? Because if you have land, you have to go and hoe it. And as much as some monks learn to pray while they hoe, most of us don't. Right? So the Levites just learnt to pray. 
and sing God's praise and sacrifice and um, administer justice. They had no land. They didn't have to go, oh, but I've got to go cut the grass. No. So the Levites wore fancy clothes. They were generally up in the temple or had official roles in regional areas of Israel. And, and they, they were vulnerable to not eating unless the people of God fed them. And in this way, though, they had fancy clothes. They were like some other people in Israel who also were vulnerable to not eating because they were poor. They were either foreigners, therefore had no land to farm, or they were widows and therefore had no land to farm, or they were orphans and therefore had no land to farm. This is why the New Testament says true religion is care of widows and orphans, and why Old Testament law says treat foreigners as though native-born. Hear that, Australians? Treat foreigners as though they are native-born. I know it's not a law for us, it was a law for Israel, but the heart of that still applies. What was the tithe about then? Well, we've already heard the tithe was about enjoying joy before the Lord. And here we read it was about doing justice for others. Joy and justice. Joy with God and justice for all. To quote Metallica. I hope someone here knows that. Josh, thanks. Well, so far this has been an interesting history lesson, hasn't it? What does it mean for us? Well, hold that thought for one more moment. When we turn to us by opening our covenant book, our current contract, our form of God's promise, the New Testament, a massive thing happens. Here's a shocking thing that happens. We open it and we meet Jesus and we listen to him as he teaches and we discover that he never commands a tithe. Yes, the New Testament contains no command to tithe. In fact, the only two times tithing comes up in the New Testament, a couple more than two, but it's repeat stories, is when Jesus is criticising people for the way they tithed. Meet the Pharisees. Matthew 23. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. You look personally very pious. You know, you've, you've given a tenth of your field and then you go, oh, what about the kitchen cupboard? The top shelf which no one else sees. I'm going to, tithe, I'm going to, I'm going to tithe even that. Where's my cumin? Where are the mustard seeds? Let me count them out. And that looks so good. And it really did look good. And Jesus says, I see through it. I see through it. You choose the smaller stuff because it makes you look bigger. And righteousness, you Pharisees, was never about you. It was about God and others. It was never about you, your incredible goodness. It was about joy and justice. And that's what he says, doesn't he? He says, you... Give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. By that he means the tithe, not just something something somewhere else in the law. You've, you, you missed the heart of the tithe. Justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. Do you hear it? It's so obvious. 
Jesus repeats the Old Testament priorities. He says to the heart of the tithe. So away with your tithes. I mean, look, he says, you can tithe by all means, but keep the real tithe. But interestingly, he never commands a tithe. Fascinating. Again, a lovely history lesson, Jim. We've seen the joy of tithing, we've seen the justice of tithing, and we've seen judgment on tithing. Let's finish where we need to. What are we to do? Well, we're called to know God and be like him. We're made in his image. And that's an impossible task given the depths of our sin. But God has worked it by the, the death of Jesus and the healing of his blood and the power of the resurrection poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And he's transforming us. And we're changing and becoming more and more like him. It's amazing. It's kind of slow, but it's amazing. <laughs> and what are we to be like? Well, we are to have, we're to be generous with joy and justice. Let's start with justice and finish with joy, because it just kind of sounds nice. I think the justice implications of this are obvious, but I want to imply it really concretely to, um, oh, I lost my picture, of course, to the budget box. Remember a few weeks ago I showed you the budget box? You know, that little kind of like a little suitcase with slots in it for like electricity and rates and tax and bread and milk. You know, where you teach kids how to budget. Well, imagine you've got the budget box in your hand with all its little slots there, right? And great, you're learning to budget. That's excellent. Uh, I want you to rename it because if you call it a budget box, that only makes you very sensible. You need to call it your justice and joy box, right? Because that will actually make you happy. So firstly, let's just rename the box. Let's go to work on the box. It is just and true that you need to pay your rates and your taxes and, you know, don't take off from service stations without paying for the petrol. I've done that before, not intentionally. I just, you know, it's not good. There's a cafe in Maruba. Whenever I go there, I always forget to pay. It's a running joke between me and the guy that runs it. I think it's a joke. He was running and something was going on. It... It's just that we are able to bear our load and pay our way. That's true. But what Australians do is go, good, done that. The rest is discretionary income. Happy days, trips to Bali, climb Machu Picchu, whatever the case may be. Well, now we're being really good little Aussies, but we're not being Christians. And we're Christians first. Aussies, if you want. What should we do? Well, we should be on about the next question. It was the same as the first question, what's just? And the Christian says it's just to pay my bills, just to pay my taxes, but it's also just to give to God's work and to care for the poor. Let's start with the poor. Here's my advice in this matter. Got your budget box and you've got all your slots. There's one there that's for like bread and milk, right? You're going to buy your bread and milk. You don't need that slot. Get your dino label out and change it and put on it the poor. Or what I call it, I don't know why, I call it spontaneous needs. That is, I'm going to meet people in need and it's going to happen spontaneously and I don't know when it's going to happen and I need to have something available then to care for those in need. That's really good. I've actually got that on my mental budget box. I just realised in preparing this sermon that I, on my bank account, I open another account very easily. We've got long service leave coming up. We've got an account for that, no problem. I've never opened an account for this. I've got no actual regular money going. If a need comes up, I just go, oh, have we got some, can we do something? And often we can't. I think I've actually been beggaring this work. 
because I never cut a slot in my joy and justice box. So that's what I've got to do when I go home. Cut a slot for the poor. Because true religion, James says, is care of widows and orphans and anyone who's destitute and just can't make everything work. And don't check it out to Centrelink. It's not even a Centrelink in Maroubra anymore. You've got to go to East Gardens. It's impossible. I go to East Gardens once every three years. I regard that as a sacrifice. People are not adequately cared for by Centrelink all the time. We have a marvellous social security system. We should be praising God for it. But if you think everyone in our society doesn't fall, you know, there aren't people who fall through cracks, there aren't people in our church who fall through cracks, then we're blind. And we all know this in our society. We're just a disparate, um, inequitable... Um, we've got to keep our eyes open. So there's justice for the poor. Secondly, Israel had to be on about justice for the poor and justice for the Levite, that is, justice for God. In Malachi, God said, you rob me. And the people of God said, how do we rob God? God said, you rob me in your tithes and offerings. What? He's saying, you leave the Levites unfed. Can't serve in my temple. Where's the prayer? Where's the praise? Where's the administration of justice? You keep your money in your pocket and you, and you beggar the work of God. This is, this is a matter of justice. Why? Because it's not just work for God. It's, it's work for everyone. And um, so Malachi just heaped scorn on God's people for this. Amos went, went another step forward. He called the rich women of Samaria the cows of Bashan and said, you'll be pulled out through the wall by hooks. Why? Because when you go to Gilgal, which is where they went to festival, and when you go to Bethel, which is where they went to festival, you go and sin. You go to Gilgal and you sin more. Why? He says, you bring your tithes and offerings. And you think, well, that sounds good. That wasn't good. Once every three years they'd go to Gilgal and take their tithes and offerings and every day of every other year it said, you cows of Bashan, you crush the poor and needy and call to your husbands and say, bring us drinks. Sounds like Australia to me. Right? And there's harsh words that the prophets say. Why? Because the people of God do not believe in justice. So that's, we can address that because we have the Spirit of God and we're being changed. We're being changed right, I'm being changed right now, aren't you? To, to see justice for the poor and justice for the work of God. Just a little practical word on that. I don't know if you know this, but um, we're not a branch church of a head office with a lot of money. Uh, head office lost a lot of their money in the GFC anyway. Um, but we, we're an independent unit. Uh, we did the budget last week. I, I learned... I didn't know this number before. I knew it was a lot, but I didn't know. 94% of everything we do as a church, including giving money to our poorer gospel friends in East Asia, Cambodia and Zimbabwe, 94% comes from what you give. There's a dancing group or two in the hall. They make up 6% of what happens here. This is really important to know, isn't it? What we do here, we do together for the Lord. There's nothing else. That's our economy. Right? We've got to know this or we'll never know how to be just. So there's generosity that serves justice, social justice and gospel justice. Let's finish with joy because I'm really challenged by this and excited. I think we fail to festival. 
And in one sense, that's okay, because Jesus never commanded a festival. But I'm really struck by how joyful that tithe must have been. And frankly, I just wish I was there. Our giving to God is not a joyful celebration in his presence, enjoying it ourselves even as we do it. Money comes out of our accounts automatically or is dropped in quiet little velvet bags. And we, th- and we think we're being generous, but we don't pray much about it or praise God or sing about it or often learn about it or even smile about it. And this is our culture, and it's culture I lead, and I think it's stupid. It's functional, it's not fun. But it seems to me the festival was fun. You, got, you went up and ate your fill in the presence of God because God was filling you with good things. I don't know what we can do about that. But can we do it soon? I don't know if anyone's taking notes at this point. But I don't know what you might do with those notes. Maybe turn it into a letter to parish council. I don't know. Maybe take it to your home group and talk about it. I don't know what we're going to do, but I'll leave you with you and you can harass me about it later. I found at the back of the book of Esther some words about a festival called Purim. Do you know what these words said? He wrote to them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and for giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. I don't need a deadeningly deadeningly soft offertory bag all the time or a stunningly automatic direct debit. I think I want a festival of generosity. Maybe it's just me. Festival of justice and joy, so that we might be more like a joyful, just, generous God. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we learnt stacks today. Um, I'm really excited to know that there's so much more in your word to learn, and therefore more of your glory to see. Thanks for showing it to us, Father. Amen.